0: Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. Happy New Year. Uh, David Morrison and I sit down today and discuss Rich Mullins. Uh, This is sort of a playoff of a series we did about a year ago um, on people that were influential on David's faith and life and um, sort of bringing that back for a a one-off to start us off in the new year, in and around Rich Mullins. Uh, He was a singer, songwriter, and missionary. And the way he embodied his life and his faith and uh, interacted with the world, uh, really spoke to David and uh, we discussed that. But before we get into that, thank you to Diego at Recording Moving Studios does all the editing and sound engineering Uh, thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums that's what you hear in the background right now Uh, to learn more about Desert Rain community check out theruined.com also uh, check out drcrpod.com for other episodes um, including uh, Road to Desert Rain which we will be bringing back next week with uh, Maria Espinosa Uh, So if you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us out. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Here we are. Good afternoon, Mr. Morrison.
1: Good afternoon to you, sir.
0: Are you okay temperature-wise?
1: Yeah, I feel good. All right, cool. Just have allergy voice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, my allergy has been going crazy this week. This week on Dispatches from the Verge. uh, So we're revisiting. um, Last year, we did a four-part series on people that were influential uh, to Desert Rain Community. John Wimber, Richard Rohr, uh, Parker Palmer, and I'm forgetting one, which I feel bad about. But those those have actually been some of the most listened to episodes. Oh, really? Yeah. And so we're going to, we're sort of re, revisiting that in the sense of we're going to, we're sort of going to spotlight another, another person that has been uh, influential in um, your life. Yeah, um, yeah. The other person was um, Richard Foster.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And, uh, so today we're going to talk about Rich Mullins, uh, Christian musician. Um, and so maybe you could tell us a little bit about, uh, who he is, um, and just sort of how he sort of landed on your radar throughout your, your travelings of the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I guess he's not really that well known,
0: uh, well, I think especially compared to those four.
1: Yeah. You did, yeah. Did you know, before. Yeah. You know, so he, yeah, like you said, he was a Christian musician. He was in that industry um, in the eighties and nineties. I think he was uh, there was a superstar in the eighties named Amy Grant. She mm. was like the superstar of the Christian industry, right? Empire, and uh, and I think he was a member of her band. I think interesting, and and then he had a solo career on the side, multi instrumentalist uh midwest boy
0: he actually uh, had, i just just listening to a song where he says that line
1: oh yeah yeah i'm a good
0: yeah. midwest boy <laughs> yeah. midwestern i think another
1: one he says he's <laughs> yeah he was born in illinois yep. i think but i think he was raised in indiana if i'm not mistaken. okay i'm not an expert on the on the guy's life yeah I'm yeah, not, yeah. Uh, I, I don't you know <laughs> I i don't know why I have any authority to talk about any well, other, stuff you know, other just, than my own ex- meandering yeah, yeah. experience and opinions,
0: exactly, uh,
1: which are worth whatever they're worth, I guess. Uh, and you know, and by the late '80s, throughout the '90s, I had a you know I went into the '90s with a vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew a goatee immediately, uh, wore flannel,
0: nice.
1: Uh, and I had a chip on my shoulder. So I hated Christian music. Okay. Other than worship music at the time, which was what vi- whatever Vineyard was putting out.
0: Okay. So maybe, yeah, I, I'm interested actually, and that just as a side note, what's the difference between Christian music and worship music?
1: So Christian music is generally what you hear played on Positive K-love
0: <laughs> K love <laughs> you know,
1: all over the country. They're all K-love, yeah, yeah, yeah. the uh, K-faith, uh, you know... Uh, you know so Christian radio, yeah, so there's an industry right uh, and they have their own labels and the whole thing and uh and I hated that music. I listened to it for a little while because my because my youth pastor gave me so much hell mm. for listening to evil things like John Denver. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to that secular yeah. music, boy it's amazing, The Beatles, you know, Bob Dylan. They say, he used to be one of us, and now he's not. And, <laughs> and ironically, his Christian music is some of his worst music That's that he funny. came out with. Terrible lyrics. Not all of them, but right, every right, right. grain of sand is a is a classic. But <laughs> the rest of it's just yeah, pretty bad. And so I so I had an attitude. I didn't like Christian music. So so yeah. So it's it's more reflective, free flowing. Uh, worship
0: worship music. Is. No uh, Christian music, oh, I and see, then.
1: Okay using whatever the latest at that time it would have been synthesizers the, mm. the the synth pop right sound um whereas worship music was more was written for a group of people to sing together Oh,
0: so it's simpler I see. lyrics yeah uh, yeah
1: that kind of thing
0: right right okay that makes and sense and
1: so that's that's pretty much other than the stuff i listened to so so by the 90s you know i was listening to, to to alternative
0: mm-hmm, right. rock and you know
1: nirvana and that that kind of stuff
0: yeah
1: um and mainstream pop and worship music but christian music i had i was a big snob
0: mm-hmm. had
1: my head up my ass you know and uh not that i still don't but right,
0: right, right, right. less
1: so <laughs> now
0: you're more aware of it <laughs>
1: yeah least, yeah that's just that's actually it. it's not that it's less out of the orifice it's I'm aware that my head's in the orifice. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it is. So, but I I just couldn't stand it, you know. And Marsha had gone, I I think I had gotten a Sega Genesis Mm -hmm. in the 90s. So I, every waking hour, every free time that I had, I was trying to, you
0: know, play games. Beat beat Sonic. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Collect those gold coins, you know.
0: Exactly.
1: So she went to two concerts of Rich Mullins in El Paso. And I and I I was I poo-pooed her. Right. It's like, yeah, go to your Christian concert, you know. <laughs> Turned uh, your nose up. But already. I refused to go, you know, and and she so she really liked him and listened to him. And uh, but for me, it wasn't until I I think we stumbled onto a, a VHS cassette tape. <laughs> this is how old I am. Of uh a promotion he was doing, I think, in the late nineties, middle nineties, mid-90s, uh for Compassion International.
0: Okay. And it was
1: uh, it was just his me- meandering thoughts about each song, and then it was they'd play a video of it. Is that the one
0: you played that for me, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it was called Legacy something or okay. other. Um and yeah, and it, it wasn't so much the music, but it was his his thoughts mm-hmm. on things that really had a, an effect on me. And his videos were good too. Black and uh, you know,
0: I like Yeah, the video black. was done very well. Yeah, for sure.
1: In Ireland and that kind of yep. thing. And I was interested in that. So that Irish connection, that Celtic spirituality, I was already beginning to show an interest in that in the mid so to late nineties. So. Did you come
0: across that tape about the time it came out? I think like, so. Okay.
1: Uh, I, we were hanging out with Ernie and Linda Nettia a, a mm-hmm. lot back then because we, we had just planted a church and okay. just hung out with, and they showed it, they're the ones that actually showed it to us oh, at their house. Oh, okay, okay. And then I got a copy of it and mm-hmm. just watched it all the time, you know, and, uh, so I was deeply touched by that. And then by, I think, 1997, he was tragically killed in a car wreck. Uh, and so I started listening more. I was more mm-hmm. interested same thing in nineteen eighty when I was twelve. I didn't know who John Lennon was when he died, and then right, I started right, listening right. to the Beatles and <laughs> and,
0: then you and John Lennon retrospectively became. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I'm always behind the game on things, and so that's yeah. So that's how I kind of got interested. Uh, ironically, his his probably his most famous song uh, is is in my opinion is one of his worst songs, and I think he would to this day would probably wouldn't you. like that song. Yeah. Awesome God. Yeah.
0: Which is it. I didn't realize. So I, I, I guess the mics weren't on when I, but yeah, I was listening to some of his music before, just before this. And I didn't realize, but they, yeah, the the vacation Bible school that my mom yeah. helped put on, they played that song. And they, I remember there was like hand gestures to go with it, <laughs> like Awesome <laughs> God or something. Yeah. Um, Giving it up for our tribe, our team. Right? <laughs> so I, I, uh, I was really surprised because, you know, I don't, but I guess you, one of the things that you said is he had one foot in the Catholic world and one foot in the evangelical world. Yeah,
1: because I remember it was scandalous amongst my peers at the time that he was, I I believe he had started the process of uh, uh, Christian rites of initiation of joining the Catholic Church.
0: Oh, Yeah, getting his first communion and that kind of thing.
1: But he died before it Mm. happened or had some, there was... Rumors about it, and so rumors and no one knows. yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> All
0: that kind of stuff. And you can't, you couldn't fact check anything back then because there was no internet.
1: <laughs> uh, there was, but not, yeah. It was, it was mostly there was uh,
0: no Snopes. <laughs> it was
1: mostly uh, uh, political chat rooms and pornography. Right. back in the wild days of the internet.
0: Um. So what, once you kind of, uh, you know, came across that video and started watching it and and uh, what's what you know kind of got interested in in uh in his outlook or some of his outlooks and and talks on things. how did it sort of evolve for you to continue down that rabbit hole
1: uh i, I probably didn't remember? recognize it at the time because i was in the early stages of really being drawn towards a monastic way of life the problem was that i was married and uh, that wasn't a problem, but it was just you couldn't. In the Catholic world, you, you have to be a celibate, right? Right. right you know, right, and yeah. so, but I really felt a drawing towards that, and he, and and it, you know, and, and looking back, that's exactly what he had done with his mm-hmm. life. By the time he, he was in his forties, he had pursued his Christian vocation with the uh, the way a monk would do it, and that's how I was feeling at the time in in the, in the uh, mid to late 90s uh a life of prayer a life of simplicity uh a drawing away from home ownership uh the the suburban american dream kind yeah. of thing uh and looking for a because i began to to really become convinced that the christian lifestyle should be a radical alternative lifestyle
0: mm.
1: and 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 the monastic route is what
0: Right.
1: I felt was... And so here's this guy doing that outside of the Catholic restrictions mm-hmm. uh, and, and to the disapproval of the evangelical Christians, too, mm. and just doing that, you know. Uh, so... So it so almost so,
0: felt like a kindred spirit in that yeah, way. Yeah,
1: I think so. You know, he had... Uh, I don't even remember where I heard this, but he had... Uh, you know, he was making a lot of money, apparently from his
0: sales his music, and his yeah.
1: concerts and uh but he had a a group of people that oversaw his money and they just get cut him a he told them to cut a check of whatever the average working person makes in America at the time I'm, so which i'm guessing was 30,000 or something and so that was astounding to me that radical simplicity for someone of his of that stature um he had a he had a a deep heart for the native american experience he wasn't native american he's a midwestern white boy so he uh wanted to teach music at the reservation the mm. navajo nation in northern new mexico and um so he had to go get a music degree just to do that so he
0: did that oh so he could be uh <laughs> an official teacher <laughs> certified
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. well i so he had a monastic like house that he was living in with you know other 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 members they called themselves the kid brothers of saint frankie mm. so saint francis was a major influence on him and so yeah
0: when i was i was watching uh what, what was it what's the tv uh channel the christian tv channel that was real popular in the 90s
1: uh i don't no, know <laughs> the 700 club
0: the 700 oh club. yeah 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 and there was a that fascist show some lady was interviewing him on there and one of the things I found really interesting was, um, they started talking about accountability, and I guess he was—I don't—I don't know exactly, but connected to this church. So basically, he answered to this the elders at this specific church. Mm, yeah, he probably say, a Methodist church. He didn't say the name of the church, but um, and he said the reason for that is that if he was at a concert and you didn't agree with something he said, you could write. The church and complain Ah, to him and if it was outside of the lines you know they could in his word knock him upside (laughs) the head and and set him straight or say no that that's what our church believes those are the values and the teachings that this church supports and so um you know so also be able to back him right like give him that and i thought it was very interesting because i most well I don't know the right way. In popular culture, this idea of of, um, accountability is sort of looked down upon. Yeah. Right. Like you want to be have that story of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, or you know what I mean. There's whether it's whether it's like uh, famous people, right? Like just doing whatever they want, or you know, even in the Christian context, we talked about it. either this week or the week before talking about sort of that idea of the the ch- the the kid that grew up poor and became one of these evangelical pastors of a, oh, a mega yeah, church yeah. or became famous in that context and then burn out in some kind of um oh what's the word scandal yeah scandal yeah right and and so having this this idea because at this point he was obviously very famous in the Christian world. If he's on a show like the Seven Hundred Club,
1: yeah, yeah, being
0: interviewed, right? And so, still leaning into this idea of accountability was was very interesting to me. It, it seemed yeah. very counterintuitive for someone who you know counterintuitive in the sense of you know you're talking about the money thing. Yeah, ago. exactly. Um, one of the, some of the uh things you had sent me beforehand was. Um this idea of living with a sense of exile and yearning for a home yeah sort of creating a a community out of that
1: Yeah that was a, that's a probably a main theme in his music mm. which was very rare for a christian artist to do that because jesus is always the answer he's the quick answer mm. and so uh in fact some of these apparently some of these radio stations won't even or, or christian labels Maybe in the 80s. This is what we heard. I don't right, know. Right, right, right. But you're required to say the name Jesus, uh, you know, like 2.3 times in each song. Uh, or it's not a Christian song, you know, that kind of Interesting. Thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like an actual metric.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it becomes very cheap as a yeah. result. You know, in Judaism, which Christianity flows, you know, evolved from Judaism. Right. It's very important to not say the name of the deity. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a holy name and there's this approach to the deity of of uh of uh, complete unknowing. Don't even approach the great mystery with a thought in your head that you think you know anything about this deity. Mm. And so there and and you get to evangelicals and Jesus helped me pick out the right bread at the store, you know, it becomes yeah. so cheap in that it that it becomes Actually, anti-Christ and anti-incarnational. So here's this artist, yeah, dealing with real feelings, singing about real feeling. You know, because most pop songs and uh, you know mainstream music, it's it's usually about interpersonal relationships. It's it a love song. It's it, yeah, yeah, and it doesn't really go beyond that. But here was a guy taking a you know more a poetic approach mm-hmm. of of an aching and a yearning towards, uh, for eternity, uh, while working through earth, you know, in the midst Mm -hmm. of earth, not, not using it as an escape. Yeah. Heaven is my escape plan. Um, cause that's, that's most Christianity today is that Jesus, Jesus is really only relevant at my death, um, to get me out of hell. He's just a ticket out of hell.
0: It's the, uh, the ripcord for the when you're skydiving, yeah, <laughs> you're about you know, to and this is the
1: entire point <laughs> of of the gospel. You know, that's it's, it's actually an anti-gospel idea. Uh, so it's very relevant to this life. And so he would, yeah, so he would sing a lot about this sense of not belonging, of not feeling at home, uh, and then out of that feeling of confusion and bewilderment and alienation. The gospel would begin to emerge, mm. and, and the gospel community could be found growing from that, uh-huh. rather than rejecting it. And so, that's a that's a profound thing,
0: for sure. Well, and I um, even just his his mu- I was listening to some of the music beforehand, and just the even the instrumentation was very different. Than, yeah. You know, I you know I, I've flipped through the channels enough and and listened to like K Love, um, that it, it just it it just there's a different essence about it.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: That that I was, um, I mean, I was kind of expecting it because you're the one that had told me about him, but to like really notice it as I was listening, um, yeah, was was pretty remarkable.
1: Well, you don't you don't hear a hammer dulcimer. Often on songs, you know, <laughs> outside of bluegrass, maybe yeah, yeah. some folk music, uh, but that's kind of you know that's not main, you know, it's it, you don't really hear that in pop music, and so yeah, he's he's, he's playing uh, the hammered dulcimer, which was a very strange, you know, if if you didn't grow up with that kind of folk music, it's a it's an otherworldly kind of sound, you know, jingle jangle kind of mysterious kind of sound. Yeah. What one of
0: his um and this kind of leads it into the next thing you had mentioned to me but um so one of his is uh I guess more famous albums or more most well known uh liturgy a legacy and a Ragmuffin band. Yeah, yeah. Which was inspired from a a book um was it Brendan
1: Brennan? Yeah, Brennan, Brennan Manning yeah
0: Brennan Manning, and um so so one of the things you mentioned was that he had this idea of uh, the love of God is a a, a reckless and raging fury, which right. stems from the Brennan Manning book right um, which inspired the name of that that album
1: exactly
0: um, and, and so how do you kind of understand that idea of uh, the love of God is a reckless and raging fury?
1: Yeah, that so at the time, that was very powerful for me. Uh, you know, the context was that we were, you know, I was working a full-time job, pastoring a church, and we had made the commitment to pray, to have two prayer meetings a day. Oh, wow. And so uh, it was a bigger commitment than we have now in our monastic life.
0: Right, you know? right.
1: And, and so, yeah, so this idea of just the burning heart, uh, that really resonated with me, because my testimony wasn't really accepted in the charismatic evangelical world, mm. because because it didn't involve someone uh, leading me to say a prayer to accept Jesus <laughs> Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And so, since it was a, in the wild, uh, that my my conversion, if you will, and it was in the Catholic Church. They're the enemy.
0: Uh, oh, you're you're your experience yeah yeah was in the catholic no Paso,
1: Church. evangelical christians are very anti catholic
0: yeah there's a weird catholic protestant like vibe yeah. like uh what's it called um uh, it's not really a uh rivalry but there's just a weird tension between Oh, yeah, no, it's animosity in, for sure in the southwest yeah
1: I, I see it more, since I, I travel in both circles, it's more from the evangelical side, for sure. Right. Very anti-Catholic. Um, the dialogue that you'll often hear, I, I don't know if it's, I, I'm assuming it's regional here, but maybe it's not. But the, the dialogue you'll, you'll often hear is, um, uh, like I'd hear it with students all the time. You know, when I was a teacher, uh, a kid would say to the other kid, uh, well, I'm a Christian, I'm not a Catholic. Yeah. And then and then the Catholics would say, Well, I guess we're not Christians. <laughs> and so so they'd you know, so it was just this crazy. And that and so a lot of El Paso, maybe it's worldwide, I don't know if that's the issue, but but yeah, a lot of young Catholics will grow up thinking they're not Christian because mm. some evangelical, Pentecostal, charismatic kid told them that they weren't. Yeah, yeah. And um uh, so I forgot where I was going with that, but Yeah, so so that language of yeah of of the love of God being a raging, reckless fury really spoke deeply to me, and 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 he's another example, Brennan Manning, of a Catholic writing books uh, much like Henry Nowen, but for some reason, evangelicals in the late '90s Mm. were reading those books, interesting, and and were attracted to them, and were warned against reading them too, and so uh, so you'll hear a lot of that, but it's it's basically the grace of God being able to pierce any darkness that you may have involved yourself with. Yeah. That the light of God's goodness is more powerful than any darkness that you've ever experienced or given yourself to, willingly or unwillingly. Yeah. So that's a powerful message. That's the message of the gospel. Right. You know, the the light has appeared, and the darkness can't even comprehend it. There is a light in this world. There's, there's a sun, like the Iona Creed, says that I believe in the sun that rises over barbed wire, and so even in the in the, in the most absolute ter- uh, horrific places in the world there's still kids mm-hmm. playing soccer there's still laughter there's still light and love happening yeah. so that that was kind of the message
0: well and I think too um, it was kind of connected to that same point, but this idea of, of um a faith that's based on vulnerability yes. and um, failure. Right. You know, and and I, I think that's kind of, we talk about that a lot here at Desert Rain and, and obviously on the podcast, but the way, the way you prefaced it was, you know, a faith based on those two things, vulnerability and failure, instead of this um, edited presentation right. of what your life looks like. Um, yeah it's, because i think it, it's sort of in at least in this context right this ta- this time frame and this uh place you know we call the united states presenting a um edited version is very it's it's part of the culture now right with social media right um so yeah so maybe you could could speak on how his uh whether it was his music or his words um Play to that idea of the failure and vulnerability and how how faith can really grow from those two things
1: yeah because that's you know long before social media religion of any sort has uh, probably the corner of the market on yeah. on uh, perf- it, the, the it's a spirituality of perfecting your image yeah and so there's this idea and it doesn't matter whether it's Catholic Protestant it's a human condition issue yeah which is uh, for for uh, the Catholics, it's it's uh, you have to be worthy to receive the Eucharist. Mm. It's your worthiness that qualifies you, even though that's the opposite message right. of what Christ brings and the Gospels. It's actually your unworthiness that qualifies you, but that's not the message you hear in in church. Uh, you go to a Protestant church, and they're gonna break open the tiny little crackers and the and the pop top grape juice, and they'll say it's you know you can't earn this. Uh, it's the free gift of God's grace. But if you take this communion unworthily, <laughs> you are drinking condemnation unto yourself. And then everybody's like, my God, I don't want to partake of that. <laughs> and so there's this, so so it becomes a game of perfecting my image mm-hmm. religiously. And, and that's that's unfortunately, that's the dominant spirituality of most churches. But the spirituality of the Beatitudes of the Gospels and, and people like Rich Mullins Brennan Manning, Henry Nowen uh, was, no, it's, it's the, the gifts of my imperfection mm. are actually gifts. And we can build community, not in spite of those things, but because of them. Mm. Um, God can use my life. God can use anyone's life because of your imperfections, not in spite of them. And, um, and so he would say things, you know, very simply, and it was radical for me at the time. It's, it's common for me now, but Rich Mullins would say things like, your life isn't valuable because you're a gifted singer. Your life isn't valuable because you're uh, a nice person, a moral person. Your life is valuable because God values it, period. And so everybody says they believe that, but no one really practices that because that is the spiritual journey, really, of, of coming to actually believe that.
0: Well, and i think it takes a lot of um, i don't know if discipline is the right word but i think it takes a lot of discipline and also a lot of failure yeah to be able to have that epiphany
1: that exactly
0: even in your your failure uh, you know god is still in love with you unconditionally yeah. right like truly unconditionally
1: exactly you know
0: not even this this uh, human idea of of unconditionality that we have um, and it's fun, when you were talking about like this religion of perfecting uh, your image, the first thing that comes about, the saying, the common saying, "Oh, got to put on my Sunday best," right? Yeah, you know what I mean. So even your your Goes not your that. nice clothes, yeah, you only wear on Sunday, which which is like so you show up and look good for the sermon, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I used to be against that, you know, because the vineyard is very low church, as low as you can go, kind of uh traditionally and but there is a place uh like the traditional african-american churches it was the only time Mm -hmm. you could dress up and and have that dignity and so so that's not what yeah so sunday's best in in the black church tradition and probably the hispanic uh the mexican churches uh I, I have a, a, a newfound respect for that. Mm. So if they're wearing a suit, I'm not, you know, I, I don't think of it that way anymore. Right, right, right. You know, but I, I didn't mean to get off the...
0: Well, I uh, think, I mean, I think it's everything's in context, right? Yeah, like yeah. It, it's different things point towards different, um, in different directions. Um, yeah,
1: because when society forces you to wear a maid's uniform, mm. you know, uh, and society's saying, this is what you are, you know, the white supremacy... Uh, the structure of our white supremacy. And then Sunday was the only day you could be uh, free mm-hmm. and have that kind of dignity and dress up in a very, you know, uh, the traditional colors would be loud pastel yellows and pinks, and which a pink suit is pretty. pretty
0: <laughs> yeah, crazy. you got you got to be a pretty big badass to could, wear a pink suit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I wish I could pull something like that off. Too short though, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I could do like a silvery green. Kind of yeah. not light green you could green. definitely
0: you could definitely do that yeah, yeah. you don't want to do seafoam green
1: but then they'd think i was the mascot at notre dame <laughs>
0: <laughs> just don't it's put lucky. up your just don't put up your dukes <laughs> in the the weird reverse way yeah. um, so one of the things that uh from the a couple of the interviews i watched and uh, and you mentioned it and, and some of the things that we talked about beforehand but the um authenticity and humility yeah, you know, and and this uh, from the things I watched, he was either a really good actor at pretending to be authentic yeah. <laughs> and humble, or he really was embodying that that idea yeah. of, of um, authenticity and just knowing who he was as an individual. Yeah, um, and so maybe uh, how that that aspect of his life being authentic, right? How did that sort of catch your eye? Either. You know, from listening to his music, or
1: yeah, because I had heard stories like I don't, I don't even remember where I heard this, but so he he would open up for Amy Grant, who had huge mm. crowds at the time, you know, and I think she's still an artist. I think she might be in the country. It
0: sounds familiar. Genre now. Yeah, I, the I name sounds super familiar. She Why? she
1: was an amazing artist and still is. You know, I'm sure she's still out there. um Music is so vast now it's hard
0: it's to hard know. to yeah
1: yeah uh, TV shows are so vast now too you can you know
0: <laughs> TVs the shows, choices movies. are just too many, yeah. yeah,
1: so anyway, um and so he would open up for for her uh performance, and he would walk around the crowd in his regular clothes, and there were times where groups of kids would make fun of him for being a homeless guy there, <laughs> which is kind of. That is the state of American Christianity right now. Right, there. Uh, Christian kids going to a Christian concert, and they mock the the poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that makes sense because where we're at now, uh, with the with the uh, idolatry of that you see so prevalent in American Christian churches, you know, the nationalism, the uh, the materialism, consumerism, and all that. Um, so, but that that really caught my attention, you know. Mm. Um, And then, you know, and so years later, we were already out here. I was um, guest speaking at a church in El Paso. And I was wearing, you know, one of those Baja pullovers. I used to wear a lot of those. And they got just too staticky for me. Uh,
0: (laughs) Too clingy. And it was
1: funny because this drunk uh, homeless guy wandered in in the middle of the sermon when I was preaching. And he's wearing the exact pullover that I was wearing. And we both (laughs) looked like we were homeless buddies together. (laughs) And he started yelling things out in the sermon and I would respond to him, you know, and, uh, and I, I felt like that was my Rich Mullins moment, you know, mm. <laughs> I had arrived, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I don't have high aspirations. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so there was this, that kind of humility and it was shocking to me for, to hear a baby boomer in the late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, he said something like, uh, they asked him, what, do, what do you want your legacy to be? And baby boomers are obsessed with leaving their legacy behind, as if uh, the global warming that we have, uh, broke economy, isn't a legacy enough that they've left us. So anyway.
0: well, the problem is they don't leave. <laughs> yeah, Just they won't. Look, they will leave look at the, the White House. <laughs> it's like ah, you're too old, old <laughs> Yeah, man. they won't Go leave the White House. <laughs>
1: uh, there's never been a Generation X president. Thank God, probably, but too many boomers, and uh, you know, and so. Here he was. So they asked, what do you want your legacy to be? And he said, I would like to leave a legacy of joy, real joy and mm. real love. He said, but this, this blew me away. He said, uh, but if my ambition is to leave a legacy, then a legacy of ambition is all I'll leave. Mm-hmm. And that was very powerful for me. Being mentored by baby boomers who are, they're so legacy focused. Uh, you have to leave something. Uh, behind here and Mm -hmm. how about leave no carbon footprint how about that you know how about leave no legacy you know uh it's very Mm anti-monastic because because you know in the monastic world they one of the greatest books for example in the medieval period is anonymous they don't put they don't write Mm -hmm. their names on the text as as an act of humility they're buried with no name Mm -hmm. um and so so it's that kind of spirituality is very attractive to me
0: yeah, and it's it's funny because we that that idea of um, uh, not necessarily well, I mean, it's interwoven with humility or, or you know a cousin of it, but this idea of uh, anonymity, right. right? Like not leaving the name on the book, and and um, that that's one of the things uh, we talk about a lot in the recovery world, right? Like to be you know, it's it's called something anonymous on purpose, yeah. right? And and it's twofold. It's one. To you know, because there's still negative stig- stigma around drunks and drug addicts and all that right. kind of stuff, and so you know, it was sort of a, a self-protectory thing in the beginning. But you know, as as the program has grown, it's it's also a, a thing of like, um, no, this this group isn't about you or any. There's no spokesman, right? Like, to have a spokesman would be detrimental in yeah. any way, shape, or form, and um, and so there's just this idea of like living in uh, an anonymous type of life, yeah. you know, and, and not having to, oh, what's kind of what you're saying is, is seek this, seek this uh, life of um, ambition or or legacy leaving. Not, you know, obviously people are going to do that because that's just sort of like a human nature. Right, type. right.
1: Thing. Well, I mean, Jesus, you know, you don't hear this verse preached too much, but Jesus did say to the religious people, the religious leaders at the time, and he says it Eternally to religious people today, mm-hmm. that the hookers, the drug addicts, the drunks, uh, the pornographers, the uh, the Democrats in that world—that's who they see—are entering the kingdom of God before you, religious people who uh, have it together. And uh, you know, one thing you'll you'll hardly ever hear preached in the uh in the in the evangelical world are the beatitudes for example mm. uh, blessed are the poor mm-hmm. blessed are those who mourn it's almost that's that's the core of the gospel mm-hmm. but it's the anti- it, what you hear today is the anti message of that uh you, you can't mourn you have to be happy all the time Our God is an awesome god <laughs> uh yeah, uh you can't be poor uh because wealth is a is a uh is considered a sign of God's blessing on your life, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so it's it's almost the, the opposite. So to hear someone actually singing the Beatitudes and, and the values of that uh, in the early 2000s, late 90s, was very uh, intriguing to me and, and, and it, you know, and attractive as well to hear that side of the gospel.
0: Well, it's interesting too, because in this instance, you know, talking about this, this specific person, uh, he because he was such a gifted musician um, and seemingly a gifted uh, songwriter as well, to pick those stories, right? Or those, maybe not stories, but those messages right. to project into the world, um, which, you know, probably at the end of the day wasn't as uh, popular as what some of the other, you know, if you were saying Jesus Three and a half times yeah. for every song, or, you know what I mean, sort of yeah. hitting these other metrics um,
1: in a yeah. triumphal way, usually yeah, or if I've had a bad day, it's usually first world problems, you know, you know I, <laughs> I can't think of one, but Al- I got I gotta take it going home, you like know? <laughs> Alec
0: Baldwin shooting you, at yeah, yeah,
1: you
0: know? <laughs> I'm just joking.
1: I was going to come back to baldwin, wasn't it
0: the uh one of the one of the things you also talked about was sort of his prophetic voice. And we've oh, touched yeah, about yeah. it, touched on it sort of throughout this conversation. But maybe you could, you know, re- reach on that. I, I, you know, I know, um in your your past walk in faith, right? A prophetic voice is, it seems to be a recurring theme yeah. in your in your life. But um sort of in this context with with Rich Mullins and his sort of his going against the grain.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely had a prophetic voice to the church, you know, in the context of the mid to late 90s. That was a it was very radical. It's not as radical now, but for his
0: position mm, 20 his years place.
1: Ago, yeah, to say years. things like like he'd go to Wheaton College, which was uh, you know, the, that's the the Mecca of evangelical seminaries. Mm. I uh, do, a, you know, the chapel services there, and he'd say things like, uh, you know, the kingdom of God is not uh, you living in your gated community where you don't ever have to interact with gay people or drug addicts or poor people. Uh, that, that's a radical statement, yeah. you know, uh, for that time. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or he'd say, you know, the 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 popular evangelical teachers. Uh, that teach about prosperity. They're not bad, which I would... I, I think he's being nice. <laughs> they're not bad people, uh, but they're just wrong. Mm-hmm. And he would just... Yeah, so to start calling out the church on its suburban values uh, rather than gospel values. Um, and it's the same with with Francis, Pope Francis. He said the, po- the church, he's calling the church it's that same prophetic voice. He's calling the church to go back to its roots in being poor. Mm. You know, and so he'd say things like, if you want to be close to Jesus, you have to be close to the poor and, and not the poor as an objective group of people, but the poverty in your own heart as well. You need to be connected to the poverty of your own life so that you can even connect subject to subject, not, not from a place of power. Most people want to help the poor from a place of power and from a distance.
0: Well, so they can put it on. So kind of going back to that edited life,
1: Yeah, you know, put
0: it on their social media. Exactly.
1: No, you have to be involved in relationship. um, Put in, you know, I mean, the calling of the gospel is radical and it's scary. It's challenging.
0: Well, it's funny too, because it's, it's, I kind of saw, (laughs) I was, you know, i I mentioned that interview with the 700 club lady and he was talking about this like life of mission, right? Like this, I don't don't remember the exact question, but basically part of his answer was to stop doing music and going and living in in some missional aspect somewhere in the world. Excuse me. And, I don't remember exactly how the lady prefaced it but basically pushed back in the sense of like she's like you know she's like well me and my husband went and did a a mission in the Philippines and on the flight back
1: on our private jet
0: um her husband was talking about being able to do that full time yeah you know what i mean and and i don't remember exactly her wording but kind of called it escapism and something like that and wow. and um then they, they started – the the conversation evolved and talking about, like, if you can't live a life with Christ wherever you're at, moving somewhere isn't going to change that. Yeah,
1: that's powerful.
0: Yeah, and I thought that was very interesting, especially for someone – you know, i I moved a, a lot in my life, and one of my kind of go-to things is to, like, move away. But every time I move, I'm still – I'm still yeah, with me, yeah. right? Like I'm still I'm still wherever I, I go, and um, it was it was a cool reminder watching them go back and forth. Well, it wasn't even a back and forth. They were, you know, they, it was just a conversation. Yeah, and you know, for them to talk about this idea of like if you're not if you're not walking this life of Christ or this life of the gospel right where your two feet are, right now. Yeah, going to the Philippines or giving up music or you know whatever whatever it might be you're not going to just suddenly start living a christian gospel-based type lifestyle you're going to just move geographically and continue being whoever you are
1: and that's a radical statement for that Mm -hmm. world because i i I don't know if you know this but in like for example in the catholic church the saints are the heroes of the faith Mm -hmm. right 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 you know and you pick yours you know uh in this region uh our Lady of Guadalupe yep. is is probably the number numero uno right? Yeah,
0: top ranked uh, saint. <laughs> yeah, the lady.
1: The lady. Um and Saint Francis. Our Our Lady. <laughs> our Lady, yes. <laughs> our Lady of Guadalupe and uh uh Saint Francis is mm-hmm. probably worldwide. Uh but in the you have to understand in the evangelical world, it's not saints, it's missionaries. Mm. They are they are completely idolized. They are the the that's the highest calling you could possibly get—is to leave and go and and uh, you know and basically Americanize and imperialize, colonize.
0: Well, Stacy, on her road to desert rain, right, talked about that exactly. And I didn't realize how, um, uh, what's the right word? Honored, I guess. People looked at right. missionaries. Yeah,
1: it's it's a big deal to have so, those thumbtacks on a map in a church where they have missionaries. And yeah, it's a well, big deal.
0: I mean, not I'm not trying to call anyone out, but even Dale Walker's church now is called Heart for the World.
1: Right. And yeah, right? very missions-focused. Yeah. And he always has been. Yeah. So, is,
0: and so, so you're saying that's a common thing throughout evangelical churches. Yes.
1: And so for him to say that on the 700 Club, it was very offensive. Yeah, to say something like that whereas i was very intrigued by that yeah so i was never comfortable with the great commission the way that it's explained by the evangelical world uh i never fully bought into it and i was always grappling with it and still do you know i, I you know where, where are you just bringing american materialistic values and where are you bringing the gospel mm-hmm. i had a missionary tell me he went to a village in the philippines
0: and you, you went to the village or someone else he did, he, did. Okay. he was telling
1: us this we were we were doing some work at his house or something i mm. don't know and he, and he was very proud he was showing his, his artifacts from around the world mm. that his toys that he got and uh and he told that he was very proud his highest achievement was he went to this village in the philippines evangelized them and then returned a, a while later and they had started wearing western clothes they put on pants and shorts, and he was yeah. very proud of that.
0: That was his biggest look- Yeah, yeah and I was so appalled
1: odd. by that. I thought, congratulations, <laughs> you're just a you're you're just a colonizer, is all you are. Uh you have no respect for other people's cultures. The gospel is a universal message mm-hmm. that that fits uh inside of every culture and every, you know, and that that sort of thing. And so it Has an honoring, it has a respect of, of cultures, and and uh, yeah. So Christian missionizing has had a dismal history of that. Just look at, at the history of Africa, and you'll be, you know, the the European and American missionary right. movements in Africa, and you'll be, you'll be pretty discouraged. Not to say yeah. that there hasn't been, you know, I think digging wells, providing clean water. Working with malaria, you know, uh, actual service is a yeah, good yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. So don't get me well, wrong.
0: And I, well, and it's, it's, a it's, I mean, I don't even know, uh but it, but it's a weird, it's, it's like anything, right? It's there, any movement you have, there's the plus side of it and then the, the, the negative side of it, yeah. right? And and sort of, um <laughs> I mean, this, this term still cracks me up to this day, but, that idea of a Jesus sandwich, right? And right, right. Uh, offering something so that you can talk about exactly. Jesus instead of um, seemingly, w- and especially in the context of this conversation about Rich Mullins, is like, I think the inspiring thing for me learning more about this guy um, is like, okay, so how can I better embody the gospel so that I don't need to go. And offer someone some service, right? Because uh, arguably, like you're saying, building wells and getting clean water to people and and reducing malaria um, and things of that nature are are good services. Yeah, right? you can't argue with that. But to then on the backside, be like, okay, now let's now let's talk about Jesus, right? So yeah. how can I minimize my idea of like, okay, I, I'll go help at a soup kitchen. So that I can talk to people about Jesus. Yeah. Instead of just living a life of service. Right. So people ask me, like, what, what, do you, like, what, why, wow. why would you live that way? Or, like, you know what I mean? So it, it is this revolutionary idea that if I, if, if somebody, right, in this context, I'm, I'm speaking from my perspective, but so if I live the gospel, it's so different than regular American life, right? Exactly. Regular Western life that someone would it would pique someone's interest yeah to start a conversation with me um just for the sake of the conversation yeah not exactly. not for me trying to sell something or get them to say a prayer or whatever you know yeah. whatever the the yeah. um however however it, it would look like to close a deal quote unquote
1: <laughs> well I had a an experience I just remember about and it's kind of a connection with rich Mullins in in, in a sense because I had the same unexplainable attraction and heart and and times where I've actually just wept over uh, uh, Native Americans, the First Nations here. And it's, you know, it's, I'm not, maybe it's, maybe it's some sort of redemption from the sins of my ancestors. I, I don't know. Right. Of course, my ancestors came here you know, pretty late in the country, you know, 1890s. Mm. So it's, I, I don't know. Right, right right uh but but just a uh, and and as i've just followed that through prayer you know i ended up in a prison ministry mm-hmm. and through my relationship i struck up a relationship with the uh, the chaplain there who was a tibetan buddhist and he was uh, mentoring me uh jeff mulak is his name mm-hmm. he's a, he's now a hospital chaplain actually he's retired now
0: he's up in the northwest right yeah
1: so at the time he was in in the prison in New Mexico. Right, right, right. I understand. And, and so through him, through just having conversations with him, I found out that the native group in the prison did not have a sponsor from the outside because none of the churches would sponsor them because oh. they wouldn't support the sweat lodge. Uh, all they needed was, was, uh, supplies for the sweat lodge. Right, right. Uh, you know, sage, uh, sacred, sacred materials. Tobacco. Uh, tobacco, uh, and to have a feast on on Native American Day, and on the the, the, the their celebrations, which were the the four seasons, the solstice and equinoxes, okay. and so I was like, of course we'll do that, and it was a huge honor to be able to. And so they invited me to their to the talking circle, mm-hmm. uh, about fifty fifty men of different tribes, mostly uh, Navajo, because uh, New Mexico, you know, right, and, uh, but some some. Uh, Apache Mescalero uh and so they had to they had their own community obviously and they had to to figure out their own traditions uh you know in in the sweat lodge there that cross-pollinated you know from right. different tribes and so I remember I was sitting there I was very nervous obviously
0: <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> very nervous and very humbled and uh and very and so in times like that I'm very my prayer life is saying, "Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, You better freaking give me something to say or not to say, because mm. uh, I you got to do this or it's not gonna happen." Yeah, uh, which is where the spirit likes to put you. Exactly, where you have right. no. Yeah, you have nothing to pull out of your. <laughs> you don't. Your you sleeves. don't have an out. It's <laughs> like so you don't have your 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 trick cards to play. Yeah, you have nothing. You're you've got a losing hand, and uh, and so and and the elder, his name is George Harrison.
0: Uh, really yeah that's, that's <laughs> that sounds awesome. right
1: out of a sherman alexi that's awesome title right <laughs> uh, a, a navajo named uh george harrison <laughs> and he said mr morrison we're we're very uh uh happy that you're you're going to sponsor us in your community your church uh but can i ask you why are you doing this and i was like oh shit <laughs> you know kinda, uh, uh and so just kind of that moment i told him um i don't know why we just, uh, I feel that there needs to be obviously a reconciliation, uh, a healing mm. of, of things that have happened uh, from white culture to first nations. And I don't even know how we even take a step, but maybe this is a step yeah, in a small, tiny right. way. And I believe in small, tiny ways. And, and I would like to, uh, to just hear your stories and get to know you. That's, I honestly don't. I'm not trying to convert anybody right. to, the, to the Jesus, and so I gave up that card um, uh, to to go show them Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, so that I could see Jesus in them. And and there were times when I would go, I'd be uh, walking onto the 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 grounds, the prison grounds, mm-hmm. going through the gates, and the and I could I could feel. In a very tangible way, I was literally physically visiting Christ the prisoner. Mm. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And it was a profound sense of intimacy with God
0: yeah.
1: in that sense. And it was all just in my head and in my heart, you know. Um, but it was it was powerful for me. I was transformed yeah. through that time. And uh, you know, and then one of my health issues, I couldn't go back in there mm. and you know, and some other other issues came up so but I got to do that for about 10 years
0: oh wow Uh, I didn't realize you did uh, it seven
1: seven to ten years yeah
0: yeah Yeah, Uh, that's I mean we've talked about it here but some of my biggest transformations have been going into the visit people that are incarcerated
1: yeah it's it's a profound thing and so I I don't know so that's that's my stab at missiology and
0: well I think that's also uh, an example granted you had to travel to the actual prison right but yeah. you were still doing it where you were it was in the proximity yeah. of where you lived it was a proximity within it was a sustainable thing you you did with your life yeah you know and it wasn't like you had to go travel to the philippines or to right. you know what central america you know name name the the impoverished place that people want yeah. to travel to and and quote unquote deliver jesus
1: well, and that was that's that made me kind of a, an oddball uh, among many other things, but in the in the uh, Dale Walker's ministry because mm. I was I was kind of vocal and I was young and an, you know, more of an asshole than I am now, but I was I was kind of anti-missions mm. in in a very highly mission-focused kind of place because uh, I felt like we're here. This is where we're at. Uh, and there are people that that need service mm-hmm. they need ministry they need uh love uh let's just do that you know and it wasn't nativism it just wasn't i just didn't you know see the point yeah of of going and you know and i, I you know they could sit down with me and correct me and i'll probably agree with them on a lot of points but you know it's just hasn't been but even our little community here we we didn't set out to have a, a mission base in yeah. uh, what, what, uh, Puerto Vallarta. That came through our relationships, yeah. and now we have Victor uh, through an amazing story. Hopefully, Medea Nedia will come on and tell us the story. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> if she's listening, <laughs> and her, and her brother getting out of Texas prison mm-hmm. and and being deported to Mexico, and now is doing amazing community service, gospel work, really, yeah. and he, and he's not a an overt Christian in that sense. He's, he's, he's doing the, the work of Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, well, there, just, there serving, just
0: serving that community. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's the St. Francis, Franciscan tradition, where, you know, people love to quote him, but uh, where he said, at all times, preach the gospel, uh, use words if necessary. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it's more about your behavior and what you do than anything about what you say.
0: Yeah.
1: It's how you say the ordinary things, too.
0: Well, just how you interact with yeah, people on a day to day basis. Exactly. Uh, we're coming up close to time, and and I did, I did just want to kind of leave it open um, for you. We, we've been doing a, I don't know, six or seven week series oh, yeah. around Rich Mullins, and you've put a lot of a lot of love and and um, insight into into those uh, gatherings, and. Um, so just, uh, I just I kind of wanted to leave this last question wide open for you, and just you know through that whether it was the lyrics that you were reading or list you know listening to, and just cultivating that space uh, over the last couple months. Um, any insight that uh, maybe was a, something new that came to you from that, or maybe it was something forgotten, right? Like something you had yeah. you had already known and sort of embodied, and maybe. Had had drifted away, so to speak, and and was returned to you during uh, during the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, it was definitely that. So we we do a Wednesday night. Anybody who's listening is you're welcome to join in. Just ask us for the Zoom link. But Wednesday nights we do this uh, twenty minute meditation guided medit you know meditation called the the Cathedral of Earth, Sea, and Sky. And we had just done one on, we did a 20-week series on praying with the four elements, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, uh, you know, with uh, earth, uh, water, wind, and fire. Um, and it was, you know, and the people that participated seemed to benefit from it, you know. And, and so I was trying to think of what's the next one, what should we do next, and uh, and it was actually David and Danny West, the ones that play the music mm-hmm. for, uh, we were eating dinner with them and they they said s- something about Rich Mullen. They had just discovered his music or mm. something and I hadn't thought about him in a long, long, long right. time. And so the next day we're I'm driving up the highway on a dark desert highway, the cool <laughs> wind in my hair and uh, and I thought, oh, what the hell? And I put on a the color green, uh, right. Rich Mullen's song, probably my favorite that and land of my sojourn and um and that particular day this was september i think uh maybe october the the mountain the franklin mountains were super green from the
0: all the rain un-
1: unusual rainfall yeah. and the sky was stunningly blue and that that lyric came out you know uh you have made blue for the sky and the color green that fills these fields with praise and uh And I just started crying like a little bitch, (laughs) just like crying and crying. And then the next song came on, Land of My Sojourn, which is uh, as a line, you know, in the the greed and the glitter of those high-tech casinos, uh, some mendicants wander into a cathedral, and there their prayers are still whispered, and I'll sing their song in the land of my sojourn. And so I'm just, so Marsha gets in the car, I was going to pick up Marsha and she gets in the car. She's like, Oh, you have allergies. And I was like, no. And (laughs) And so I thought, yeah, let's, let's revisit Rich Mullins, uh, his music, keep him alive. He's one of those, those presences that still I feel looks over us Mm, in our community. Uh, St. Clair, St. Bridget, uh, and these different, different people. And, uh, who, you know might take an interest uh if you if you pray to saints for for your family you know to to lift up prayers for you uh i recommend uh the obscure saints because less people are asking them. For,
0: <laughs> they're <laughs> less prayers. busy
1: yeah so, you know so instead of our lady of guadalupe she's probably her phone's probably pretty <laughs> yeah, busy you know? yeah she's getting texts every couple seconds so uh anyway uh so these yeah so they look after us they mind us and and then the other the other thing I don't know, we're running out of time. No, no, keep so on. in yeah so then in the process um I I really I, usually pretty good about the the feast days of saints mm. but for some reason the last I think covid just kind of threw me off. Uh, I totally forgotten about October 4th being Saint Francis's mm. feast day and we have the these uh we, we had a campfire on a Saturday night and but and Stacy had invited a friend, who's an Episcopal priest, in his 30s, and he pastors St. Francis on the Hill. His name is Justin. I forgot his last name. I met him only. I guess I met him at the interfaith group years ago, and then met him that night. And and the gospel reading, we follow. You know, the Episcopal Church, we follow the same readings, and and it was the passage on divorce, and I wasn't really looking forward to having to unpack that. Mm. So I asked him, what are you preaching on? He's all, well, it's St. Francis's feast day. And you know, and his church is St. Francis on the hill. And he said, I'm going to preach on the, the stigmata of Francis. Mm. And, and, you know, and I said, yeah. And so he said, yeah, I'm going to talk about how a seraphim appeared to him. And between the wings of this seraphim, this shining fiery angel, uh, with six wings, that's what a seraphim is. Uh, Inside of it was hidden a, a a crucified man, and that that just really awakened something in me so I spent the whole month of October and this month just meditated on icons of that event and what yeah. that might mean and it really rekindled some things in me beautiful, uh, maybe yeah. we could do something on that i don't I don't know yeah. but that's just a powerful strange bizarre image at the end of Saint Francis's life yeah. uh, he went up to to Mount laverne to to specifically ask God, what can I do at this point in my life to imitate you more? And the answer was this flaming angel that flew above him, hovered over him. And then in between the wings, he sees a crucified man. And then he receives the wounds of Christ himself. And then he dies two years later. And so, uh, yeah, that's just so strange and profound. And so I've been, that's been on my mind.
0: It's beautiful, man. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, man.
1: Thank you. Yeah. We didn't um, weird everybody out there. Well... Brought up my personal even, stuff even, out on the podcast. Even
0: if it did, that's all right. <laughs> uh, thank you for everyone to, uh, for listening, too. Um, you can uh, find Rich Mullen's stuff. Uh, I know I saw some stuff on YouTube, uh, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You can There's access to it and, and I recommend... Um, recommend listening to it. it it uh i was enjoying it and and just yeah the the lyrics and stuff were nice but the music behind it was really really beautiful um and, and I, i'm usually the opposite lyrics and stuff like that usually catch yeah. my attention and the music's fine but because yeah, you're a hip-hop
1: man aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah so uh that music here in the background that's monk drums thank you uh jacob for that uh thank you david for your Thank you, sir. your insights and and um, knowledge, uh, if, you're, if you if you want to learn more about Desert Rain, um, including the uh, the Wednesday night thing uh, David mentioned, the Zoom, uh, you can find that information on the Ruin um, There's a place there to reach out to get that, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Talk at you next week. <laughs>